Hello everyone and inside today's Locked on Canadians, the NHL is again falling short in taking care of its fans. Is Tyler Toffoli going to come back to Montreal and we have the final mailbag before the NHL draft? All that and more inside today's show. You are Locked on Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 873 of Locked on Canadians. This episode is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off your first purchase. We are, of course, your daily Montreal Canadiens podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, where you get your team every single day of the week. I am one of your hosts. I am Scott Mellon. I'm joined, as always, by the active stick, Laura Saba and Laura it is Friday. Normally, we would be doing all mailbag questions today ahead of the NHL draft, but the NHL and the Montreal Canadiens, so to speak, in this last little bit here, have given us plenty to discuss inside today's episode. Uh, before we get into that, how are you doing? I know you have a lot on your plate for this weekend while I am away having uh, all the pro wrestling fun in Toronto. I'm, I'm doing okay. Um, the listeners will hear that my voice is kind of shot. I'm in the middle of moving, so the next episode will be from my new dwelling. Um, and it's, don't get excited, I didn't buy a house. Uh, that's coming later. Uh, this is just my temporary accommodations. Uh, but I'm excited to finally be done with this moving process because it feels like it's been weighing on me for about 37 years. And... It, it, it as someone who only moved into an apartment and is not packing up everything and moving anytime soon because of, as Laura said in a previous episode, don't move. It's a scam. Uh, I, I, I feel for that, especially with it being as warm as it has been here, but we're going to jump right into the main news of the day here. Uh, and this comes from the NHL and I gotta be honest. I, if I said I was disappointed, I would be potentially underselling how annoying this is the NHL via Gary Bettman uh, earlier this evening, just before I want to say five, five thirty ish announced they are doing away with all specialty jerseys for pregame warmups uh, pride jerseys, black history month jerseys, hockey uh, fights, cancer jerseys, military appreciation jerseys, everything. The NHL is doing away with those. And they still said, no, we'll auction them off and everything after that. And good friend of the show, uh, now you see me on Twitter, pointed out part of the reason these jerseys draw in so much money is that you see them on TV and you see your favorite players wearing them. And again, the NHL has to do the bare minimum. Just say, wear this during warm-up or, you know, just wear this during warm-up. That's it. You don't have to wear it during the game. We're not asking you to do anything else with this. And they can't even do that. And this all started because of the whole situation with pride jerseys. The Eric Stahl, the Mark Stahl, all those things related to this. This is, and you can't tell me otherwise. that No one has said, no, I won't wear a Hockey Fights Cancer jersey. I'm not going to wear the Military Appreciation jersey. I'm not going to wear the Black History Month jersey. 
the NHL and this and across the board on so many things, I've seen nothing but condemnation for this from player agents and other people in the media that it's for the, what a dozen or so players that didn't want to wear them this year, you're doing away with it. And for everybody else, players who wanted to support this cause, even if it wasn't a thing they fully believed in, they have no problem wearing this Jersey and supporting it for the, what 25 minutes you're in warmups or whatever it is. It's, I don't understand how the NHL is so bad at this. It's the simplest thing to do is that, hey, we like wearing these special jerseys during warmups, and then they get auctioned off for charity. And the NHL can't even can't even support doing that. It's and that teams can still wear them. The NHL is just not hosting nights for these things anymore. And it's just it the bar is on the floor, and Gary Bettman and the NHL like dug their foot into the ground and tripped into it. It's it's so disappointing across the board on so many for so many different reasons. And I'm not surprised. And that's, I think the worst part of this. I, I think the thing for me is that this feels very cowardly and I would almost have rather they take a stand and say, you know what? We don't welcome LGBTQ plus people. We're not a welcome league. No pride jerseys ever. I would have respected them more if they did that. What they did was a cop-out. They decided that there's not going to be any special warm-up jerseys. They're just going to do away with the whole thing so that they don't allow for the opening of the conversation about whether or not a player is going to wear it and whether or not they're going to take a hard stand. Like, they're literally giving themselves a free pass. And again, I would truly almost have rather been like this is a sport for white cis straight men only nobody else belongs here and there we're not going to do this because that would at least have been taking a principal stand now obviously i wouldn't agree with that stand i would just respect it more than what they're doing right now which is trying to pretend they're a welcome league trying to pretend that those of us who aren't white straight cis men are safe and welcome at those games but making it clear that they don't actually care about any of us one bit. That's the thing is we want to make it clear. Laura is, is making a hypothetical here. We're not saying that we want the NHL to do that. That would be just, we are, it, it, the, what's the phrase going full mask off on this is that it's not hard to be supportive. They are not asking you fans and people in this community within the hockey fan base are not asking for all that much, if anything. They are asking players to just wear this jersey once, sometimes two. I mean, I think some teams have held them at different times or do different events for that. And not every player goes and does these events in that because we know Pride in Montreal is outside when most teams are doing their Pride jerseys, even though the Kagans wear them during the season. They're not yeah, asking Montreal for Montreal Pride is in August. So for those of you who are listening from outside of Montreal, uh, fans in other provinces or states or countries, most of the world celebrates Pride in June. Uh, in Montreal, we apparently celebrated it in August. And uh, I'm not sure why we're outliers on that regard. I'm sure there's there's a history behind that. But well, again, just for like, laughs, just I'm of- pretty sure is in June, is it not? Which is just probably not the reason to <laughs> delay Pride. But... No, it's, it's just it's like Montreal's a rolling festival in the summer and towards yeah. the end of it, there's pride. It, it's just the bare minimum, the bare minimum. It, it, I, I, I hate to call it that because it is important, but it is the absolute 
bare minimum and this league just went we can't even do that and i hate to you know the words person you know made a great point dana white who i will not launch into that whole spiel in this said i don't understand what the nhl is doing in terms of their marketing and their promotion and everything else and he's not wrong yes can you please explain to the listeners who Dana White is? Because a lot of people don't watch. Um, Dana White <laughs> is the president and CEO of the Ultimate Fighting Championship, the UFC. He is the uh, bald guy who yells a lot and turns a shade of red that if you're watching on YouTube is like the outline of this. He's not the best person in the world, but he has a very succinct and very true point here. The NHL can't do the bare minimum to make itself more appealing to people. And that's frustrating and disappointing and not at all surprising, which makes it all the more disappointing. Uh, Obviously we will see if team, what teams will stand up and still do their own pride nights, their own hockey fights, cancer nights with jerseys and stuff. They are still allowed to, I believe wear them, but it is at the team's discretion. It is not a league mandated thing. They will not be making these jerseys themselves. As far as I understand it, it's upsetting and it's sad and it's not surprising, but we do have to change gears a little bit. We could spend an entire show talking about this on a number of different levels, but there's so much other news going on that can be tied to the Canadians and with the draft next week. This will probably not be the last that we discuss this, but coming up next is Tyler Toffoli coming back to Montreal. Can Kent Hughes pull it off? We're going to discuss the Calgary Flames continuing fall from grace, going down in flames, one might say, coming up next. But first, part of today's show is also brought to you by our friends at Bird Dogs. Bird Dogs make you look great. I got to be honest. I got two pairs in the mail. They are the most comfortable shorts I own, and they also make me look like a million bucks. We went wine tasting in the Finger Lakes, and I got to look classy, but I got to stay cool, and I got to stay comfortable, and Bird Dogs had me covered in that. They have anti-stink uh, sweat wicking fabric, so you stay cool. They are better than any other short you can have out there. If you go to birddogs.com slash LockdownNHL, you're going to get a free Yeti-style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com slash LockedOnNHL for a free Yeti-style tumbler. You're not going to want to take your bird dogs off in the summer. Trust me on that. We are back here at Locked On Canadians. Uh, Laura will be handling uh, some of the episodes to start next week. And But before you go and listen to any of those and before you tune into our next episode, make sure you are tuned in to Locked On NHL's 2023 Mock Draft Special. Hedy Kalakesh and Gil Martin are breaking down every selection over a three-day event. Find the episodes on the Locked On NHL YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. We're, we're going to spin into some chaos here because the Calgary Flames relieved Daryl Sutter of his duties or he left Brad Treliving left. They hired Craig Conroy as GM. They have, uh, I believe it's Adam Huska, Ryan Huska behind the bench. Now their assistant coach, Mitch love are their head of their AHL team. They're very good AHL team left for the Washington capitals. They lost Matthew Kachuk last year and replaced him with Jonathan Huberto. As of today, There are potentially four pieces on this team who have said outright, we will not be re-signing or do not want to re-sign. Noah Hannafin, Mikel Backlund, uh, not Jonathan Huberto, who just signed his new contract, Elias Lindholm, and Tyler Toffoli. Tyler Toffoli's one broke an hour before the show recorded. 
and that he and he was it, Frank Cervalli basically spent an hour just saying all the Flames want to leave at this point. Tyler Toffoli's name came up and that was immediately followed by teams have been made aware that Tyler Toffoli is now available for any trades or transactions. So here is my thought. Tyler Toffoli back as a Montreal Canadian because they want to round out the top of this team here. And we know what line works. We know Suzuki, Caulfield, Toffoli works. Toffoli scored 34 goals last year on a team that was starved for goal scoring down the stretch. Don't get me wrong. I get that it's probably a one-off and maybe he's a 20 to 25 goal guy in there. Maybe a little bit more of Suzuki and Caulfield are clicking. But Kent Hughes trading Tyler Toffoli, getting a first and Emil Heineman, and then getting Tyler Toffoli back potentially for a pittance because he doesn't want to be in Calgary, it, it's it it's so it's got to happen, right? Just for the memes alone, a hundred percent. Like one of the things that I think uh, we kind of forget is that the price that Calgary paid for Tyler Toffoli is not nothing. Now you can debate what Emma Heineman could potentially bring to the NHL. But we know that he's bringing a lot to the AHL at the very least, and picks and and then at the time, it felt like it was it was one of the first trades to go as we were leading towards a trade deadline. So it was kind of like a market setting price. Um, although the closer you get to the deadline, there's more FOMO, there's more you know. So it would be interesting, like what whether or not you think Emil Heinemann's ever going to be a serviceable NHLer or not. The Canadians clearly saw that potential in him when they asked for him from Calgary. He's not. You know, it was like the um, the discussion surrounding that the news that was coming out of that was that he was, in fact, the player the Canadians were targeting all along. So, you know, Jeff Gordon and Kent Hughes must have been seeing something in him. So to give up something, uh, but also then not end up with the player after that um, is Honestly, it's a bit sad because Tyler Toffoli, he still has a lot left in the tank. He's not old by any means. He's older uh, than most of the Montreal Canadiens core right now. But he's definitely somebody who, like, you know, he's still physically ready. He was much loved in Montreal. His wife was much loved in Montreal. They absolutely embrace being Montrealers. But would you come back to a team that traded you? Would you want to come back to a team that traded you? Would you want to come back to Kent Hughes? You know what I mean? Like, that's a big question. But I do think that it's worth it to at least give it a shot. Call call the team. Call call Tyler Toffoli. See, see where you're at. And, and the thing about it is, I think Tyler Toffoli would come back. I absolutely think he would come back. And I think he'd be welcomed back with open arms. And I think most people themselves never really wanted him to go, but it was a business decision. He was a tradable asset for the Canadians at a time that they needed to trade assets. And he, he fit, he's on a one-year deal, and he has no interest in re-signing. It's not that, oh, you know, Calgary's going to be bad. They're going to be bad, which I will touch on part of why that's good for the Canadians here in a second, too, is that it's only one year. And maybe he's just there to kind of be that, you know, guy who's guiding some of these younger pieces along here. You have Tyler Toffoli. Could he be a piece that works with a Kirby Doc in there? Could he be a piece that works with Pierre-Luc Dubois in there? Is he a, a guy that can help? Even if he's not playing on the top line, he's a guy that could play anywhere in the lineup. And yeah, he struggled. A lot of people str- struggled under Daryl Sutter's system to score goals. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I think there's another team that's going to snap him up that has the cap space that is ready to kind of 
take that next step this year on a one-year deal on a guy that's probably not going to be overly expensive for a lot of teams here. And unfortunately, teams like Pittsburgh, a Detroit, even like a Buffalo who are looking to just take that next step or rebound after a poor year. And that's not counting the other names in there, like Michael Backlund older. Noah Hannafin is probably going to be the one that fetches the most from Calgary at this point. And the Flames having to blow everything up here, whether they wanted to or not, is good news for the Montreal Canadiens because we have their 2024 through 2026 first round pick, depending on where it lands with the never-ending scroll of conditions on the Sean Monaghan trade. It's likely going to end in 2020, end up in 2025. The Flames this year are going to go through it. They're going to lose bodies. They might be a good team to start the year, but they're going to trade people off at some point. And then 2025 is likely to be a rebuilding year. Their 2024 pick, I believe, is lottery protected or top 10 protected. For the Montreal Canadiens, who are expecting to be much better in 2025, if the Flames are bad, and let's say the Canadians finish middle of the pack, 17th overall pick, if that, and the Flames are bad and finish in the top five, bottom five, that you're you're laughing if you're Kent Hughes, right? Like in a potentially good draft, I don't know too much about 2025, but it's a top five pick potentially. What's not to love? And you got shot, and like getting. Getting to Foley back is, you know, a pipe dream. They actually re-signed Sean Monaghan at under $2 million, like we discussed. It, the situation feels like nothing but a way up for the Montreal Canadiens here as one team's loss is another team's uh, treasure here, I guess. That's the thing. I think, like, when you're at this point in your quote unquote rebuild, I don't even know what to call it anymore. Like, where are we? Are we, are we at the beginning of the rebuild? Are we in the rebuild? We're, are we on the we're, past, no we're on like step three. Step one was finishing bottom of the league and drafting first overall. This year is a little improvement, but like the Flames haven't started theirs yet. They're on that precipice of do we go for it or do we sell off now? Because you have four key players who went. Nah, but you have Uyghur, Kadri, and Huberto signed for the next eight years. What do you do now? It's it's a tricky situation. And like you said, it's it or like I said, it's the benefit to the Canadians. Sorry, I didn't mean to jump in and cut you off. No, there. all I meant to say is that this is one of those things where you kind of have to exploit um whatever potential um unnoticed inefficiencies there are. Like you're saying, like one team's loss is another team's gain. Um, and that's that's exactly it. Like, if you're at this point in the rebuild, you kind of have to look around and look at the teams like the Calgary Flames, which seem like there's no direction. What are they doing? Players want out. They don't want to come back. Whatever's going on. Um, and just, you know, kind of swoop in. It's a little bit like the – I don't want to go back to the Pierre-Luc Dubois stuff because there's been so he's, – he's basically oversaturated this market right now, all single-handedly. Um but it's kind of like that where, you know, the players express interest here. Uh, the Winnipeg Jets know that he doesn't want to stay there. So, like, if you're Montreal, you, like, call and see what it takes. And if the price is too hefty for you, that's fine. You just say no. You're in that position now where your your future can go in so many different directions that you can afford to ask those questions and then see if this person like if this person is going to fit into the long-term identity or even if it's going if they're going to fit in, on a bridge um sort of basis where it's like oh they'll be around for a couple of years and then they'll, they'll mentor some guys they'll be around for a couple of years 
and just be a body, you know, keeping the def defenseman healthy or whatever, you know? Uh, anyway, that's, that's just my two cents on this. So before we dive into our final segment, we want to hear from you. Would you bring Tyler fully back at the price is right? Tweet us at LO underscore Canadians, Canadians at gmail.com. Laura will have uh, some of those things tackled for Monday's episode because it is the Friday mailbag, but because so many things occurred uh, during the course of the day here, we are taking just your pre-draft questions for this mailbag here. Laura will tackle everything else and whatever you send her related to Foley and everything else coming up uh, next week. But coming up next, it is the Friday mailbag, and we're going to get into all that coming up in one moment. But first, as we said off the top of the show, today's show is brought to you by Game Time. If you're like me and you've ever struggled to find tickets to events, baseball games, hockey games, any sporting event, any concert, comedy shows, anything, Game Time is going to have you covered because they do flash deals, last-minute ticket sales. It's easy to find and buy tickets for any event in your area. And when you are looking for your tickets, you can get views from your seat so you see exactly what you are getting before you spend your money. And when you do, you are getting the lowest price guarantee on tickets in the area. They have event cancellation protection, job loss protection, everything else to make sure you are taken care of. And they have the game time guarantee, which means you'll always get the best price. If you find same tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you up to 110% of the difference. So now go download the game time app, create an account, use code Lockdown NHL for $20 off your first purchase. Some terms do apply. Again, create an account with game time, redeem code Lockdown NHL for $20 off. Download game time today, last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. We are back here at Locked On Canadians, and as part of our Friday episode, we always love to do the mailbag because we get to unwind, have a little fun, but because so many things happened, we are just taking pre-draft questions today, the few that we got on this. Laura, what do we have in the mailbag today? Laura, you're on mute, by the way. All right. Sorry about that, listeners. I literally, <laughs> like, I literally launched into reading a very dramatic reading of this YouTube comment <laughs> from our good friend Tyler L. Uh, here it is. So Tyler asks, mailbag question. Actually, it's kind of two questions. Hey, Lauren Scott, hope you guys are well. Do you guys believe that Zach Benson may be the best player for Montreal to draft? From what I've seen, he looks like a Mitch Marner type player with some scouts saying he could be a 90 to 100 point player and he seems like he'd be a great fit with our coach and would be a great asset to help our horrible power play. <laughs> also, do you think it is a waste of a fifth overall pick if Montreal drafts Reinbacher or Dvorsky? I just want to say something. I'd forgotten because the season ended so long ago just how abysmal the Canadians power play was. So thank you for that, Tyler. I was going to say, I've tried to forget about that, to be quite honest with you. And I don't, I think Benson would be a great pick in that any, I think at the top of my list at fifth overall is Smith, Benson, and Mishkov is the top of my list in terms of what I think the Canadians could use or need. And then the next tier below that is like a Ryan Leonard type player there that I also, I do like Ryan Leonard. We've talked with him to Sebastian High and Tony Ferrari and other people about Ryan Leonard, Davidson, Louis as well. I don't think it's a waste of a fifth overall pick on Reinbacher or Dvorsky because they are not bad players. The Canadians are not drafting a bad player. They are just drafting a safe player when you should be swinging for the fence and there are higher skill options available. And basically, if we're looking at it, and I have my hands on screen here for those, 
The floor is here, like at my eye level. The Smith, Mitchkov, Benson ceiling is much higher, whereas the Reinbacher, Dvorsky one is. They will be an everyday NHL player, but the other three have star potential. It's not a bad pick. It's a safe, boring pick. In my, it's it's my least favorite option because I like seeing teams go for it. I like seeing the risky pick there uh, for skill players, especially for the Canadians who who want more skill in their system here. All right. So we, I want to look at, um, we've gotten a lot of mailbag questions that I'm going to address for sure um, uh, on next week's episodes, but uh, I want to focus on the draft one. So this is actually from a couple of weeks ago, Bill Van V uh, via email. Hi, Scott and Laura. My question is this, which players of say the top 50 prospects has the biggest bust factor? This podcast has talked about taking big swings, but which players have the potential to make a first or second round pick look bad 10 years from now? Think a David Fisher, a Michael McCarron, or a David Wilkie type selection. You've mentioned, oh yeah, this is about um, another show idea. So when we asked you guys for show ideas, he presented one. So all these show ideas are going in our files and we're going to start churning them out in the off-season content. The biggest bust but possible potential that I've seen in the first round... And the thing is, I say I I don't say this lightly because Will Smith has his flaws in his game. In that, if he comes good and hits his ceiling, he's going to be a great producer at the NHL level. Not a physical player overall, though. But I think the biggest one, and we talked with Tony Ferrari about this in our live episode, uh, Lucas Dragasevich, is he has all these offensive tools, cannot defend his way out of a paper bag right now. I think that that is potentially up there, and. I and there's I don't know. Can you consider if Mishkov just doesn't come over at all, like wants to stay in Russia for whatever reason? Are we calling that a bust? Or are we just calling that, you know, bad luck? It's like you took a risk and it didn't pan out. It was a gamble. Yeah, I'm not going to call him a bust because I people have reasons for these things, of course. Like there's nothing we can do about that if he chooses that. I think Dragasevich is the one who has the most bust potential unless he works on that defensive side of his game. But that ceiling, oh boy, is that ceiling high for a player like him. Play, scouts love his offensive game, his skating, all these things. Just the defense isn't there yet. We got an interesting mailback question that is basically draft related, but it's sort of it's an extreme hypothetical. If you were Kent Hughes, would you take the fifth overall pick and trade that along with Nick Suzuki, Call Caulfield, and Carey Price's contract to Chicago for first overall? I'm not crazy about giving up so much of like core pieces to try and move up when you need more than just one piece. Yeah. Connor Bedard moves you along that timeline much further than fifth overall does. But when you get further down that timeline, what happens when you don't have a Cole Caulfield type player that you, that you already lack on this team that you lack in the pool here, they need more of those star scoring wingers and everything that you can find that at fifth overall. Bedard is great, but it, it, the risk analysis is, do you risk setting yourself back by trading too much to move up here? And it's kind of why I'm okay with them not moving up at all, unless like they're moving up for Adam Fantilli and the price is right. Uh, I, I worry about the risk of it. It's There are very few names that would have been like, yeah, I'm, I'm sold on Connor Bedard as a superstar player, but I, I don't know about trading so much of the core to make it happen that might just leave that you shift an inch instead of 
the 10 feet you want to move down this timeline here, if that makes sense. So we've got a question from Randy Hansen. Will there be a live feed for the draft on Wednesday? So Scott, will we be recording live on Wednesday? Uh, well, that people... might depend on the show, <laughs> to be honest, yes. on the network. Here's what would likely happen is that one of us would stick around. The other one would have to hop out, uh, do a live hit after the pick is made and then hop back in. But if there's enough interest and you can tell us via email, YouTube comment or uh, Twitter, if you're interested in us having a live show around the time of the fifth overall pick, we won't have one all night long um because it's going to be like three hours long uh the draft takes a long long time but around the time of the fifth overall uh if you want us to have a live show uh that you know let us know and we'll put it together because e either way scott is covering it i have to watch it um so we could bounce in and then if scott has to do a write-up he can hop out and hop back in i was also thinking i'm wondering if friday after the draft is over like done and secured and we have free agency starting the next day. If we just kind of see if anyone wants to come on, if we just do a live hangout again too that Friday afterwards, that gives us time to, even if it's just myself hosting it. Uh, I know that you are in your process of moving and everything. If we do something like that, just to get everyone together in one place, we'll have our shows. Do not worry about that. We will have plenty of draft content coming out in that. The draft being on weeknights has thrown everything out of whack because we both have day jobs that unfortunately mean uh, rounds two through seven. We'll be watching via cell phone, basically, at that <laughs> Delayed. point. Um, no, yeah. I will, I'll be working. I'll be 100% focused on my job, Scott. Um, <laughs> that makes one of us. If you're my boss is listening to this, no, you're not. So <laughs> I know sometimes my boss listens to this, so I will be working. I will not be watching the draft. Uh, all right. How about this? How about the listeners tell us? Would you want us, you know, for a little bit? around the time of the fifth overall pick or would you want us for like an hour like we had with tony on friday night going over all of the selections and doing a recap i have absolutely no problem this would be june 30th i have absolutely no problem uh ensuring that i have no plans i think it's june 30th right friday is june 30th yes because um, it's uh july 1st that uh that free agency uh, right yeah all right yeah so if you would rather we do a longer live hangout with you guys on friday night uh we will be willing to to do that just let us know which you want and you yes. can do that at lockedoncanadians at gmail.com uh you can also do that um on twitter and you can do that uh on uh, on the youtube uh just really quickly let me see if there are any other draft questions um yes there's a really good one i know we're running a little bit over time but I, there's a really good one from Jeff the Red. What is a scenario in which the Habs could cause complete and utter chaos leading up to their pick at number five? Immediately trading for Pierre-Luc Dubois. Doing, doing the Kirby Doc trade, but before they pick this time. Like complete and total chaos. Because at the draft in Montreal, when they traded for Doc, is it was around the time the fifth overall pick came up. So that trade happened and all the Montreal reporters were in Slavkovsky's introductory press conference and heard there was a trade coming and then had to sprint back out to the floor. So the biggest thing they can do is make a trade before their pick comes up because if they trade for, let's say PLD and they have a center, who are they going to pick? Are they going to pick Mishkov? That like that to me that is, it, is just going to be, it's going to throw chaos into everything. Or just go completely off the board and, you know, pick Dmitry Simashev at fifth overall and just 
blow everybody's mind. Exactly. Uh, one, just one more question, Scott. I want to do Jay's question. Okay. So our friend Jay Foster of Lockdown Blue Jackets, a good friend who has been on the show, uh, the other Scott, wants to know, who would win in a fight between a Scott-sized Laura and a Laura-sized Scott? So for context, Scott is six feet two, right? Six yes. Two? And I am five foot nothing. So if you've met us in person uh, or you've seen the picture of us floating around from the draft, I'm very, very short. So, and I said this, and I asked my girlfriend about this, is that it's a Scott sized Laura wins that fight nine out of 10 times. A hundred percent. I think people don't know that Scott is the gentle, kind person of the show. And I'm actually the mean bully. <laughs> um, Twitter would that. extremely disagree with that assertion, but. Do not listen to Leafs fans or anyone from Alberta, Scott. Or, or British Columbia or Ottawa or apparently parts of Carolina or I'm blocked by random stars fans for some reason. I don't know. Winnipeg to I'm just making my way across the Canadian province. Like the only province that I don't think I'm universally disliked and might actually be Quebec. And I don't actually go beyond that. So <laughs> again, if you have more mailbag questions, tweet us at LO underscore Canadians, lockdown Canadians at gmail.com. Laura will be answering anything we didn't get to in this episode just because we had other stuff to get to. I will be back Monday next week. Yes. I will be back after Forbidden Door in Toronto, which if you are watching, I will be in the Calgary Hitman Bret Hart jersey wearing a Wrexham hat. I will be the white dude at a wrestling show. I know. Very unique. Uh, so I will be back after that. I will probably have plenty of story time to tell y'all for that. Uh, make sure you're following us wherever you get your daily podcasts, Google, Apple, Spotify. Subscribe on YouTube so you don't miss our live episodes. Follow Laura at The Active Stick and follow myself at Scott Matla. Folks, it is almost draft week, and we will see you all next time.